House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. He is from the DNA Doe Project. Um, Carl Koppelman, thank you for being here. Glad to be with you. So, uh, Carl, first of all, tell tell the listeners what exactly is the DNA Doe Project. Well, the DNA Doe Project is a nonprofit 501c3 organization run by uh, um, Colleen Fitzpatrick and Margaret Press. They're uh, two PhDs uh, who, uh, one of them is a, a former uh, crime writer, author of crime novels, and and uh um and they're pretty smart people but uh they they put together this uh um this organization that deals with uh trying to identify John Doe's and Jane Doe's unidentified decedent cases uh through forensic genealogy um by using their DNA and running the DNA through a uh a open source database called GEDmatch which uh um identifies people who are uh, related in some way to that doe. And from there we can um, develop a family trees, develop family trees on the, on the matches and um, ultimately you know, find where those trees intersect and, and eventually ultimately identify the John Doe or Jane Doe. It's the same, uh, it's the same method that was used uh, just uh, Earlier this year, to identify the uh, the Golden State Killer, um, it's the same process, but we use it for unidentified decedent cases. So, what exactly are the biggest challenges that you guys face? Well, there's a few challenges. Uh, first of all, in a lot of instances where you're dealing with uh, isolated people from uh, whose ancestry is from isolated regions. Uh, such as the Appalachians or, uh, like, uh, old, uh, old, uh, communities in, uh, say Mexico or, or that sort of thing. There's always, uh, intermarriage within the, um, you know, within the family. So what happens is the DNA gets, uh, um, it, it makes sort of a mess out of the family tree in trying to sort it all out. And, um, they call it endogamy. That's the technical word for it, but it's uh, intermarriage, and that uh, makes it very difficult to interpret the the results in many cases. Um, another complication now is there's uh, just recently, back in May, the uh, the Jed match, which is run by a couple of uh, retired uh, men in a in a residence in Florida. Uh, they instituted a policy in which the members can they're by default they're opted out for law enforcement uh access to their data um and then the members have to affirmatively opt in in order for their data to become available so we've been very uh um, restricted by that that new uh development in their or the new change in their policy is there any difference between the law as it concerns looking for DNA to find a suspect or to identify a victim? Uh, 
I don't know if there's a difference. Uh, in th there's a concept from uh, it's called the third party doctrine. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a Supreme Court case, uh, um, United States versus Miller in 1976, and then it was reaffirmed in 79 in Smith versus Maryland. There's a concept called the third party doctrine, which states that any time a person puts their information out in a public forum, it is open to anybody who wants to look at it. No, they can't then later claim uh, a right to privacy on that information. So mm -hmm. law enforcement has been able to look at um, you know, look at anything that they find online, anything that someone's willing to share online is completely uh, um, the law enforcement is free to uh, use that in any way they want to. Uh, but nevertheless, the owners of GEDmatch, uh, just out of concern for the concerns of uh, their customers, decided to um, institute this policy, which they didn't have a legal uh, obligation to do, but they did nevertheless. So it's voluntary right now. If you can you can opt in to have your DNA included in these searches. Uh, yeah, but by default they're opted out. So, so you have to choose. The uh, what, what, yeah, in a lot of cases, people who have signed up for the site and then have gone on to other things and uh, never go on the site anymore aren't even aware. Even if you know, perhaps they don't mind have being opted in. They're not even aware of the policy, so they're by default opted out. In other cases where someone has uh, put their DNA in there and has subsequently died, uh, they're permanently opted out. Uh, they have no, uh, you know, no ability to to opt in, and so that that kid is permanently off limits to law enforcement. So that's created a lot of uh, difficulties on our part because uh, before May, we were, you know, we were getting. Uh, you know some very strong matches on on our does um in in one case you know we got a first cousin which we, we were able to solve solve the case within hours uh but now you know the matches are um more distant and it and takes a lot more work to uh to try to sort out the family trees on these things because uh you know we're not getting as good a matches or as close a matches as we used to so it's an actual hindrance now. Uh, yeah, as of right now, ninety percent of the database is, is opted out, and slowly wow. people are coming along and opting in. But uh, you know, we're we're blind to ninety ninety percent of the database now because of that change in policy. I didn't realize the percentage was that high. Ninety percent. Yeah, I mean. As, as I said, you know, probably most of these people wouldn't object to, you know, to law enforcement visibility of their their yeah. thing. They know it's going to help solve a crime, and uh, you know, most people are are okay with that. But uh, but um, for whatever reason, you know, it's been slow getting people to opt in, and. You know, <laughs> I could probably use this opportunity to, on on the radio that if anybody has a um, you know, has an Ancestry.com kit, uh, I urge them to upload it to GEDmatch and to opt in for law enforcement access because uh, it, uh, we need all the help we can get with uh, getting, uh, you know, good, uh, a good, strong database of, uh, of uh, information. And it makes a real difference having access to that much more information. So, yeah, yeah. if you're out there, yeah, I mean, opt in. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're out there, if you have an ancestry kit, uh, upload it to GEDmatch, and if you're in GEDmatch already, opt in, please. <laughs> it could help us out uh, enormously. Well, I mean, so if you opt in and you get your uh, DNA, and what if, what if, uh, geez, what if you're connected to someone you don't want to be connected to? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about everybody else, but for myself, if, if you know, if I had a uh, a violent criminal in my uh, family tree, uh, I wouldn't be you know anxious to protect the person. I would be yeah. <laughs> wanting to see the person apprehended. If you know, there's a serial murderer in my family tree, and you know, they they can't count on me to uh, to cover for him. So. <laughs> Some people would be embarrassed, I guess, but uh, yeah, I'd rather know. Yeah, it might know. be an embarrassment, but uh, right. And, you know, I'm very supportive of law enforcement personally, so, you know, if you know if they need to look at my my information and it helps them solve a, a long unsolved cold case or an unidentified decedent case in our, in you know, <laughs> as we do, um, you know, feel free to <laughs> to look at it. So what, what's what's the general um, public response right now to stuff like GED, GEDmatch and all that, getting DNA done? Uh, my experience from you know the people who follow my Facebook page, uh, they're very supportive of it. But you know, there's others who are kind of civil libertarian types at uh, at heart who, you know, kind of cringe at the idea that uh, you know police can. <laughs> you know that's something that they put into a, a, a database that you know for the purposes of their own uh, family research can be used by police uh, to so you know to connect connect a, a crime to you know connect their DNA to a crime or to connect their family history to a crime. So uh, you know there's it, it's a mixed bag, but I think for the most part people understand that. You know, there's, you know, the, especially with the case of does. I mean, there is no issue of, you know, or only tangentially, there's an issue of, uh, you know, it may end up getting somebody arrested. In in most mm-hmm. cases, these does cases are uh, um, are people whose identities won't necessarily lead to a uh, a uh, suspect. I mean, a lot of a lot of them are are not crimes. They're just you know, people who have had accidents or, or uh, you know, various causes of death that are unrelated to a, a homicide. But I mean, there are others that are homicides. But, um, but yeah, there's uh, um, this is <laughs> there are only a few cases that we've solved that have actually, uh, or only a couple that have actually led to uh, the identity of the, the killer. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Aside from that, you're just uh, bringing closure to a family member who's wondered for uh, decades what happened to their loved one. Now, how do you decide which cases to look at? Well, we have a whole uh, a whole list of them. We've been we were contacted by uh, various law enforcement agencies or coroner's offices and say we have this case we've have been un- unable to solve and uh, and we have DNA on it and could you uh, you know see if you can solve it and. To date, we've solved. Uh, we have 15 cases just in the last a little more than a year that we've uh, been able to, you know, that the police have been unable to solve, but we've been able to solve through through this process. So, uh, 
um, and and there will probably be more in the future. There's, uh, you know, we have plenty more that we're working on. But you know, what happens is a, a police agency will contact us and say we have DNA on this case, and and can you uh, see what you can do with it? And there, are, I think we have about 50 or approximately 50 volunteers who uh, who do this all for for nothing. Um, you know, they we set ourselves up into teams and and uh, you know uh, assign out certain cases to various teams and you know that's what we do in our spare time. And how long does that process usually take from the time when you take on a case and have actually identified the person? Well, as I said, one there have been a couple of cases that we've solved in hours. Uh, the one case I'm working on now uh, uh, is. We've been working on for about a year now, and uh, you know it's slow going, and it just all depends on how strong your uh, match list is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm working on a case out of Ventura from 1980. It involves a, uh, a young Hispanic pregnant woman. She was. Uh, we know who killed her, but uh, we don't know her identity, and uh, she was about five months pregnant when she was murdered by this. Uh, this man, she was picked up hitchhiking in the Visalia area in California, and uh, and her body was found in the parking lot of uh, Westlake Village High School near Thousand Oaks. Uh, and there's another another woman who's also unidentified who was killed by the same killer whose case we're also working on. But the one I've been working on in the, for the last uh, I don't know eight or nine months now, I've been working on this case. But uh, it's um, it's this case out of Ventura, so, um, and and it's a Hispanic woman, so all the family history is primarily in Mexico. So, um, the the process involves having to go through uh, ancestry, and re- and it requires an ability to read Spanish because, I, and I do read Spanish, so I'm I'm pretty good at uh, reading Spanish. So. Uh, you have to go through these old civil registry entries, some dating back to the 1700s, to try to get clues on, uh, you know, on family trees, and and you know, you end up compiling the family trees on these people and uh, see where they intersect, and then once you've found where they've intersected, uh, you know, if, once you find the common ancestors, then the process involves having to go down and find common descendants of the common ancestors. So. Eventually, you'll end up finding the intersection of descendancy, and and then that's where your Jane Doe's family is. Now, is there another? Do you have access to other databases besides GEDmatch, or are there databases like this outside yeah, of the United States? Yeah, Family Tree DNA. Yes, Family Tree DNA makes their uh, um, their data available. Uh, there's a couple other ones. The major corporate sites don't. Uh, Ancestry.com is, you know, completely off limits. Uh, 23andMe, similarly, they're, you know, they're corporate sites that have, uh, you know, terms of service and, you know, user agreements that that are all in writing that, you know, say your their their customer information won't be used for any other purpose. So, you know, that, you know, the, our ability to use that that data is completely off limits, other than you know, we use Ancestry to to compile family trees, but we can't get any information on the matches themselves, or, or on the you know the, the DNA results. 
Now, are there other databases outside the U.S. that you use, or are there similar things that you know law enforcement agencies in Europe use that's different from GEDmatch? No, I don't think Europe really or any of the other countries you know have similar systems. So hmm. um, we don't have any available to us, or at least none that I'm yeah. aware of. Well, it's interesting that it, you know, it seems to be something that is brand new, but it's actually been going on for quite a long time. It's just new to the public, it seems. Yeah, well, yeah, it's for several years these systems have been available, but it was only only uh, about a year ago, you know, there was the Golden State Killer case, and prior to that, we had a DNA Doe project was already in business before that Golden State Killer case was um, announced, but we had already solved a... Uh, a 1981 case, uh, a, a young female homicide victim who was known only as Buckskin Girl, uh, and she was uh, um, one of our first solved cases. Uh, t- turned out to be a uh, a woman by the name of uh, um, uh, <laughs> her name escapes me. Marcy Marcia King Sossaman. That's amazing work. So, so now, how, how do people um, help out or find out about the information about your your whole organization? Uh, well, dnadoproject.org, um, uh, There's a the site is online, and uh, anybody can uh, can uh, go online and, and read about you know their their uh, mission. Uh, they're on Facebook. There's a, a DNA Doe Project uh, Facebook page, so we, you know, we let the public know of what we're up to and you know what our current cases are, and whenever we solve one, we, uh, um, you know, we we announce it on the on the uh, Facebook page if if law enforcement is uh, okay with publicizing the names of these people. We there are a couple instances where where the name hasn't been uh, publicly disclosed, so we we honor the either the families or law enforcement's desire to. To keep the name uh, confidential, but but in most cases, uh, you know the details are provided on the Facebook page. Well, and do you take donations? Oh yes, yes they do, and uh, um, you know the the means of doing that is uh, provided on the Facebook page and on their on their website. Well, fantastic. Um, we'll have that on our website as well. Again, thank you for being here. Okay, thank you very much. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.